in three, two. So last week we talked about foster care and some of the problems with it and maybe some of the solutions surrounding it. This week we're going to talk about adoption and this is really a part one and part two. We're kind of carrying the whole train through. We're recording them back to back together because it is important to know there are some problems with adoption in America and some of them are getting fixed right now. One of the worst things is buried entry. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but uh, I'm excited. Jonathan Fiala, for are you sitting in the chair of co- uh, theology? Oh my gosh, uh, I'm what? having a strong. <laughs> I'm having a strong. So to my left, I've got Justin today. How's it going, Justin? It's going good. You know, the last recording went well. No strongs, but no strongs. we're starting off strongs He's here. Starting off strong here. He's uh, not the one that's supposed to be having seizures. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah well, it's you, Steve. That's you got job, Steve man. in the chair. You can hear his voice in the third chair of culture. How's it going? I'm doing fantastic, John Arthur. Yep. Yeah, doing his little dance there. Yeah, no, so we don't dance. I've been up, so it, it's it's now midday, and I've been up since five a.m. If I if I seem rattled, uh, well, I was I was running a jackhammer earlier today because someone uh, drove should a semi where they shouldn't up, have. Huh? Ooh, I, I can gotta tell. fix that. Yeah, he's jacked, jacked up. Yeah, yep. not up. since COVID, I lost all I lost twenty pounds of muscle, so I need to get that back. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so to adoption, is that table muscle or, or what? So, moving to adoption. <laughs> go ahead, Mr. Producer. And I want to pull up this first story. So, go ahead and get that ready. Uh, and uh, go ahead and full screen that for us, if you would. So, the question of adoption has always been one in my I could mind, never go on vacation. Cost. But I don't think it's the same anymore. Did that thing reset on you? Yep. Go ahead and mute it and run through the ad real quick. Mute that and run through the ad real quick for us while we talk about it. But one of the worst things about adoption has always been the cost. And typically, when you hear adoption, what do you think? Just give me a number. Shout a number out. Uh, Thousands. Like ten thousand. Yeah, ten thousand. I've heard up to sixty thousand dollars to adopt. Right. I I know that. had an aunt and an uncle that my uncle's done passed away by now and uh they adopted one of my nieces and she's in her 50s now and it was and and she was a baby then and we're talking you know how much was it man i don't know but it was tens of thousands yeah and this was so go ahead and play the clip mr producer New family member can be a wonderful thing. We showed you this video earlier this week of newly formed families in Bastrop. This month is National Adoption Month. An organization want to bring awareness to the growing number of kids in Texas that still need permanent homes. But a big concern we noticed people had is that adoption is costly. KV's Tori Larned joins us now in studio to clear this up. And Tori, it's more affordable than people think. Yeah, I've heard people say it costs thousands of dollars to adopt, and technically, yes, it can if you adopt privately, but if you adopt through the state, it's no more than $300 to $400. That covers the court fees and any cost needed to get a license to adopt, so the rest of the money you'll spend is what you'd spend on any child in your family, clothes, food, activities, and putting a roof (laughs) over their head. Now, there's perks, too. Your child gets free health care and free in-state college tuition, and your family would get money back until the child turns 18. Once an adoptive placement is made, the family will receive a monthly reimbursement. And that can range, depending on the child's needs and level of care that they have, between $400 to $500. 
A nonprofit adoption service I spoke with says it gets expensive for families going through voluntary infant adoptions. This private service can cost anywhere between $25,000 to $40,000. That's when the adoptive family essentially works with the family putting the infant up for adoption, and it comes with a list of administrative care and legal fees. The department hopes by clearing this confusion up, more people will come to their informational meeting just to learn more, and then you can decide if adoption is the right move for your family. In studio, Tori Larn. KVU News. So that's not without strings. So I could never go on vacation. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you got to be quick. Those dang ads come out. That's not without its strings attached, but that is interesting. And so it's really interesting to me because I hail from Washington originally. Um, How much is it there? Going to pull it up for us real quick. I have this. I looked it up. Send this to the uh, Um, send this to the chat so we can put it in the description, please. If it's no. not there, you know whose fault it is. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'll send it in the chat because apparently I don't have it written down here. Okay. Wow, I'm so good at but this game. What, what was the ballpark? Um, That's but all it that was research. minimum four thousand. Okay. To do it through the state was about four thousand. Um, so and that's ten not even the private times. Yeah, private in Washington was forty thousand. Forty thousand. Um, it yeah. was stupid amount. Um. Yeah, it oh, here we go. Private adoption DYCF was four thousand to forty thousand. Independent was eight thousand to forty thousand. Okay. So So with that said, let's get that one off the table because that was always for me was something that I, I always imagined it's like, well, okay, it costs about ten, twenty thousand dollars to bring a child into this world if you have to go to the hospital if you're not gonna do a midwife, which I would recommend you do a hybrid if you can. Like if you don't have a complicated pregnancy and you can a do a hybrid a midwife. Midwife, how many wives does this guy have? If he, it's the oh, midwife and there's a low wife, you know. The, I'm not, yeah, that's <laughs> that, that that joke is going to degrade oh. faster if I keep <laughs> going. So, with that said, um, no, no, no. So, if you have a midwife, you can have a baby for about five, eight thousand dollars with all of the uh, all of the same provision all the way up until the birth that you would have in hospital. Like the actual hospital birth is very expensive, but being able to go to the hospital if you need to, so that's why I say by, by a hybrid situation. Right. But you have Medicare, Medicare, you have medical coverage that helps take a bunch of that cost. Strong. Now it doesn't take all of it. It's, <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting day, y'all. Um, it doesn't take all of it, but it helps cover a lot of that. Folks, yeah, he's right? not on his medication today. But so hopefully, hopefully it's it, it's it's inexpensive to bring a child into this world. But then the, the point of all of that is it costs more. It used to cost more to adopt Bro. than it did to actually have your own child. And then that child's your own child. And you don't have to deal with all of the baggage that, oh, that yeah. child comes with. Because when you Man. adopt, you have follow-ups. Yeah. There are always follow-ups. And you're always going to deal with issues of, is this really your child? Correct. You're always going to deal with, you know, do you have, you know, even they're going to deal with, what's your family medical history? I don't know. I know. Right. Well, exactly. you know, who cares if it's your child or not, man? I, I raised, you know, five stepkids, and I raised them just like they were my mm-hmm. own children. I didn't care if they were my kids or if so, they were my wife's kids. I didn't care. You bring up a really good point. When you talk to anyone who's adopted, you don't talk about my child or the adopted kid. If you do differentiate, you say the biological children 
or my adoptive children. Yes. But it's always my kids. It's always my kids. Right? And that is a good adopted parent. But we want to talk costs here real quick. Let's look at international. International, it is very hard to determine how much it costs because you've got legal fees, you've got the American fees. You're looking at twenty to forty thousand. On top of that, if you go to places, the place I have the most experience with is Ukraine. If you go to Ukraine, you have to bribe judges. You have to bribe the government. They literally tell you to come in hand with about twenty thousand dollars worth of cash just for bribing. Ten percent to the big nuts. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when it comes to how much does it cost internationally, it, it we had who a, knows we had a uh, uh, church family uh, at our church that went internationally and adopted two girls that were sisters in from China that were here when they were babies, and they were. Uh, when they were here, they were teenagers. I remember. You remember them? Yeah. Uh, so Steve and I go to the same church. So we uh, we know these two these two gals. It was a very very special thing. Yes. So yeah, very and, musically inclined, both of them. Adoption can be a beautiful beautiful thing. It can also be, you know, th- th- there's some pitfalls, and we'll we'll talk about them more in a moment. But before we do, I do want to go to a. There's another really happy good feel good story here. And I want to pull this up from, uh, this is from NBC News, or the Peacock, it's from the Peacock. There you go. Go ahead and pull that up. Make sure they can see and read the, uh, there you go. Adoption, not abortion. How the Dobbs decision is affecting adoption in the U.S. Read the story. It's a really sweet story. But can you give us the the general overview, Justin? Yeah. So this girl, I believe she's in her 20s, um, was having her second kid. And she looked and goes, I I can't afford this. I cannot afford a second child. So she looked at abortion. However, the Dobbs, you know, went into effect. She could not get an abortion in the state of Texas. So she had some options. She could leave out of state. She could self-abort. She could, you know, all these different things. And she finally went, I'll put the kid up for adoption. So she had a open adoption with this family and it went smooth it went well. She goes, the hardest part is having to actually give up the baby. She goes, and she still struggles to this day with that decision of giving up the baby. And I'm sitting there going, but you were ready to murder that child, right? And this is where that heartfelt story comes in is that was a child's life saved to the point where even the mother is sitting there going, I'm so happy I did not go through with this abortion because we said adoption, not abortion as a state this is why that abortion law is in place exactly it's not it there for the people who medically need the abortion or it's already you know the child is still born you know well we disagree on that ectopic pregnancies aside you don't anything like an ectopic pregnancy you are saving the mother's life and in doing so it's not an abortion it's a ectopic pregnancy. You are flushing the fallopian tubes. Yeah. So every single one of those, it's, a, it's always a lie. It's always a lie that, that you have to save the mother's life to abort the kid. But, you know, we we have this example of a time where she was told, no, you can't abort just because you can't afford it. She was, OK, let's go through adoption. And she was extremely happy she did that. Yep. How many more lives are going to be saved? I yep. believe that we have had. 9,800 more babies than expected this year since the abortion law went into. That's 
thousand lives saved. Well, now that's from two th- from twenty twenty one. But still, let's think yeah. about the adoptive parents that could not yeah. have children that end up with a child that they never would have had in the first place. Or even if they could have children. How happy they are. Even if they could have children, the fact that they're willing to take on this this child who was potentially going to be aborted, or at least not, mama didn't didn't think she could take care of it. So what what a blessing. But on that note, we do want to come out with adoption, and we want to talk about, so some of the the pitfalls, uh, we're going to talk about some of the legal pitfalls in a moment, but before we do, uh, we were talking about this before, and if I remember, I'll put this in link in the description, there was a testimony from a gal on, on YouTube, she was talking about her adoption story. And she said something really interesting. And if I could sum it up in, in the best way I could imagine possible, we were talking about this off air. If you were going to adopt a child, dear listener or viewer, if you were going to adopt a child because you were infertile, stop. If you were going to adopt a child because you lost a child, stop. If you were going to adopt a child because you want kids, but you're not married or whatever, but you want the extra kids, Stop. If you want to adopt a child because you want to provide for that child something that they could never have had otherwise because that child needs an adoptive parent and you want to provide for this child, not the child that you couldn't have had, not the child that you wanted to have, but for this child, this child, your commitment is to this child. It's not to yourself. Then adopt the child. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say, even though people said, well, the church should, you know, four, 40, 410,000, you know, fosters in, in, in the United States and the church should, should adopt all of them. It's like, yes, not everyone's heart is there, though. I, correct. I always talk about because I have no empathy towards animals. It's not the way the Lord wired me. People are like, look at this cute dog. And I'm like, meh. <laughs> okay. You're not going to get me to like an animal. I always say I don't like any animal that doesn't How have the. Si- yep. <laughs> that's yeah, a, that's a Mr. Producer. Exactly. Mr. Producer has more animals for... living at house as house than people. Yeah. You might be a redneck if. I'm just saying. Jack, well, one Jack of his, worthy, not me. One Been of his dogs that. looks like a stick of butter. Been but, there, done that. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I have no empathy towards animal, and people always get it. The Bible says to protect the animal. The Bible says you need to, you know, protect the animals. I'm like, we're the body of Christ. Each part of the body does something different. The Lord has not placed animals on my heart. You know what? He's placed children on my heart. My heart breaks for the foster and adoptive ministry. It is where I've put a lot of my focus for my ministry act. That's not going to be everybody. Because there are a lot of people that don't have the patience to deal with a kid who's gone through trauma. But that's why we're the body of Christ and we're not all Christ. Correct. Right? We all have our different spots to be. If foster and adoptive is not your spot, do not take this as us saying you're evil, you're the problem. It's not what we're saying. Right? But if it is your heart, if the Lord has placed it on your heart and you're saying no... That's disobedience. Correct. Right? This is where we're saying, hey, it's easier than you think. There are more resources than you think. It is cheaper than you think. Stop telling yourself, I can't do it, because if the Lord has put it on your heart, I promise you he'll make a way to do it. Amen. So on that note, 
I want to talk about some of the things that people miss. So we're going to talk about some of the legal issues. And, and private adoption has benefits that the public adoption just does not afford you. And there's some serious yeah. problems with the public adoption. But if if you can overcome those, if you think you can, then, then that's fine. Um, but before we get to those issues, I do want to talk about some of the stats with uh, uh, children. And Mr. Producer, if you could pull up the stats page, it's looking at the, um, according to a 2007 National Survey of Adoptive Parents, uh, you have how many kids with special health care needs? Uh, 39%. 39% of adopted children have special health care needs, and 26% have moderate to severe health difficulties, as compared to the 19% and 10% in the general population. So, 9% of adopted children ages 2 and older have been uh, ever diagnosed with depression, 26% with ADHD, 15% with behavioral conduct disorder, 4 10 and 4% in the U.S. population, respectively. So understand something. A lot of these kids, a good good transition there, Mr. Producer, a lot of these kids are up for adoption for a reason. And, and it's not because they're broken, but it might be because they come from broken places. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want to be really, really cautious here how I say this. I'm not saying if you're adopted that you're broken. That's not what I said. Ah, hold it. Yeah. Eh, don't 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 take this <laughs> but there are there are more people in that population who are broken because they came from traumatic households they came from places that are very difficult so it's important to remember that when you sign on it's not for you it's not for you you are signing on for that child you are doing something beautiful and self-sacrificial and heroic, but it's for that child. It's not and, for you. And it's going to change day to day. I mean, I've, once again, I've worked with foster and ministry kids, foster and adopted ministry and work with the kids. And we had one event that went horrific. I will tell you, it is the black mark on my perfect ministry record. It's not true. It's not perfect ministry record. Liar! But... <laughs> Oh, um, snap. It is, but it is my black mark. It was one of the worst things I ever. It just everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, and there was one little girl that was the daughter of the lead, my ministry leader. And um, she'd had a people were making fun of her and all of that. And she went into her shell. I finally started to get her out of the shell. And she was very much like, don't touch me. Now, this is a girl who has hugged me before. We've played games. We've, you know, I've swung her around and she just went straight to don't touch me to the point where as we were walking back, I was like, okay, let's keep moving. And I put my hand on her shoulder to kind of push her along and she went, stop touching me. Right. It changes day to day. Right. It is not easy. And so if you're doing this and you have these expectations of how it's going to go, you're setting yourself up for failure. Do right. you have they're, a, they're not your uh, a stat on how many are adopted that are, say, like babies compared to older kids? I'm I sure you do. Um, do you want? Oh, while you pull that up. Yeah. While so, you pull that up. Remember that these are to your point. These are not your biologics. These are kids who, for whatever reason, even in the womb, kids actually receive trauma and build trauma 
in the womb. It, it, people don't understand this. It, in, in the Bible, it says, in the womb, you form me and you knit me together, my inmost parts. You actually do hear and see and are stimulated by and affected by the things that are in the womb, let alone if this child is two years old, eight years old, nine years old, 10 15 years old, they have gone through a set of processes. For whatever reason, they've lost their parents, whether they are dead or whether they are in a, a uh, uh, institution for wrongdoing, they've lost their parents. And so you've got to remember that there's a lot going on with adopted kids. And you've got to be sensitive for that. You're getting close there? Well, nine times out of 10, I can pull up what's on my laptop on my iPad and it's not letting me. I have most of the numbers for Washington State. Um, Three-year-olds, the percentage is uh, 10.7% of the adoptions are three-year-olds. Why are we doing this on a woke State like Washington. Because yeah, that's right. what I have. Um, okay. I didn't take a okay. screenshot of the Texas one. Okay. I will say Texas, the percentages by age don't differ much. Um, the percentages overall differ greatly. Um, the foster to adoption in Washington is about 24%. In Texas, it's about 52%. You know, it's interesting. I listen wow. to all of these percentages, and, and I think about the what you said about how we don't need to listen to percentages because they're not always well, true. True, yeah. truthful. But from um, one of the the last podcasts that we yeah. had, how they they're like you know. Yeah, and the big one is when you look at you know a, a increased percentage from, wise, you especially know. from government agencies, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so, however, looking at the percentages because that's what I have. <laughs> Um, Three-year-olds is 10.7%, four-year-olds is 7.3%, five-year-olds 7.6%, and it goes down. Eight-year-olds is 3.8%, 13-year-olds is 2.7%, 17-year-olds is 1.9%, right? And so the older you get, the lower it goes, okay? So that means we've got – so that would be, I believe, two-year-olds was 12%, one-year-olds – was 15% and newborns was an unregistered number because of the, you know, independent. Um, So it really is people choose to adopt younger because what they want to do is they want to have that full family experience. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a single man who loves working with kids. And one day I hope to adopt. Yeah. Right. But, and I would love to have the full family experience of raising a child from a baby. But I also look and go, there's a bunch of 13-year-olds. There's a bunch of 10-year-olds who yeah. are there who aren't getting adopted because people go into it going, I want the full experience. And they're doing it for themselves. Now, does that mean it's bad to adopt babies? No. Well, they also want to avoid the, the, the trauma. And that's something that's really important. So I'll, right. I'll bring that up. And that's something that you're going to have to decide between you and God, but you do. Uh, I will put this in the in the description. I don't have this in there, but I, I have this one stat. Um this is from a survey of parents who adopted from foster. Okay. So I, I, I don't have this in, in the show map here, but 44% believe that their uh, child was physically abused before they got to them. 21% oh. believe that their child was sexually abused. By the way, that comports with the government stats of 25 
are indeed abused in the foster system. Uh, these are people who have adopted their kids and they've talked to their kids now and their kids are coming out and they're saying, this is what happened to me before I got to you. Uh, they're Which doing it takes to the public years, option, by know, the way. And yes. I do not believe the 20, 25%. I believe it's probably it might be higher. personally 59% neglect. Uh, 73% prenatal drug or alcohol <clears throat> exposure. Okay, mama is saucing while... 59% is low. Uh, for, as of 2021 in the state of Texas, neglect was at 86.1% of wow. these are, adopted kids were previously neglected. This is true. Wow. This is what parents are adopting parents out of the foster care are saying. And oh, 50% man. are, uh, uh, they, they claim emotional abuse. And again, uh, I'm not saying that one way or the other, that's what these parents are reporting what their kids have uh, elucidated to them. So with that said, mm. understand that you have a 50% chance of when you adopt getting to pour into the life of someone who was emotionally abused. You have a 44% chance of dealing with a child who was physically abused. By the way, if I have a kid who was strongly physically abused, I'm a big believer in corporal punishment. I'm going to have a hard yeah. time figuring out yeah. how to go about that. That may not be on the table no, if the it would not be parent, on the table. If the previous parent beat the living daylights out of a child, I don't know if there's a way in, in God's green earth that I could ever be able to do corporal punishment. So no. I want you to know what you're getting into if you adopt. Yeah. That's now it's like I have to figure out something else on how to structure this this child's life. And that's something that is 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 part of my upbringing. I understand corporal punishment and Usually, for, for, for me, I had, like, less than 30 spankings. I say corporal punishment. Less than 30 Ooh, spankings. I wish that's before, all I had. But, <laughs> they were, but the bulk of them, Steve, 20 of them or so were before I was the age of three. And they were spankings. They were, you know, like pats on the bum. Parents got really on to it early, early on. As soon as they knew that I knew what I was doing, they were like, yeah. shh. You know. That is the type of corporal punishment that I'm used to. So but when, when I say that, I'm saying very, very lightly. But now you have a situation when you're in an adoptive situation with a nine-year-old. They're almost past that age where corporal punishment's even valuable. And if you do corporal punishment, you are probably going to lose the, any connection with the child mm -hmm. that you could have had. It's going to destroy that. So know that when you're adopting. Yeah. Man, and I got them at school. You got, you, you got oh, your meetings you got, at school? I got... Yeah, they I don't let they don't let them do that school, anymore. Man. Something something psychological damage, emotional damage. We need to put that on the soundboard. Yes, man. Um, I, I, no, I don't think so. But I don't agree with that. Well, I don't, okay. you know. Seattle, Texas. You know, yeah, no. yeah, we got <laughs> Seattle, Texas, different generations. I don't think no. we're going to agree on this one at no, all. No, I don't think um, so either. But I do want to go back. And we were talking about the percentages and trusting them, and I lied with data on accident. My 86% is of the maltreated types of child victim percentages. So that's 86% of the 54%. There you right? go. So it's 86% of the 65,000 children that were maltreated type child victim, right? Okay. So 
I just wanted to correct that number because I did exactly what I said we need to be careful not to do. <laughs> I'm glad you caught it. And you did it while you were interrupting me, reading me. If you just let, read it a little bit more. I know, right? <laughs> I would have just been patient. Yes. Be patient. Man. I know, but hey, it's a good thing. We're, we're fired up. It, That's it, okay. It's a good topic. Yeah. So just remember that when you are working with a foster or or if you get the chance to go to an adoption especially if you get a chance to go to an adoption if it's not a private and you're working with someone who was a foster kid understand that there's a high likelihood that this child has endured some significant mm-hmm. abuse that they mm-hmm. have gone through a lot and it's going to change how you go about parenting and it's it's again it's not a bad thing it's just a different thing. It's a thing that yeah. you have to be aware of. And and abuse looks different, too. Correct. Right? To a kid who has never been abused, a spanking doesn't look like abuse. It looks like discipline. Yeah. To a kid who has been abused, it mm-hmm. looks like abuse. Yeah, because uh, they know the, in, the original intent behind the beating. They aren't going to see abuse. your heart or intent behind yours. Sure. Right? And that's what it's going to come down to. Um, if we actually, producer, if you can pull up the, I think it was the next story we had, which was the um, woman who abused had this child. abused the six children. Yeah. Yeah. So this is part of the issue of she probably had this idea of corporal punishment, but I mean, she went way above and beyond. I so, mean, the so kid there's corporal punishment and there's and abuse. Then there's there's abu- this right. is straight up abuse. But <clears throat> there are times where corporal punishment can start to look like this to the kid. Mm-hmm. But this here is a bad person who adopted. A bad guy got to adopt. Correct. Right. And if you read that, um, I can't read that from here. But it says the child, the children talked about being hit, being spit on, their head being shaved, um, oh. being kicked, being, you know. Yeah. All these things. She had six adopted kids. Six of them that she did this to. How do you get to adopt six times like that? And then and then you're that and then you're that person. Yeah. So let me be really careful here. And I, I, I want to actually lay out what corporal punishment is. What is corporal punishment? So they're, they're, when people hear you spank your child, people get very concerned. Everyone gets upset. Spanking your child is you go for a utensil that is specifically made for or selected for that purpose. And you go and you give a very small tap to a small child. And it is just enough to tingle the bum. That is corporal punishment. That is, if it doesn't leave a mark in two minutes, it is corporal punishment. If it has gone any further than that... It's abuse. Corporal punishment, if it's corporal punishment, cannot be done in anger either. If you Mm -hmm. are angry, so when we say we advocate corporal punishment here, if you are angry, do not touch your child. Walk away for 10 minutes, come back, say, stay in your room. I want you to lay face down on your bed. You can't play, you can't touch. I'm going to go sit down in the other room and I'm going to talk to mommy or I'm going to talk to daddy. And then you come back when you're level headed and then you meet up punishment. But do not touch your child when you're mad. It needs to be discipline, not punishment. Correct. It's not revenge. Right. It's not a pun. You did this, so you're getting punished. It's you did this. This is how I'm going to discipline you to not do it again. It's restorative. There is a yes. Thank you. That so, is a good way to put that. So my my, my dad. So uh, 
I've, I've, I've experienced a couple of different, different slices of this. And my dad, when he did it, did very well. My dad would say, okay, you're going to go to your room. You're going to lay face down. Mom and I are going to come in and we're going to give you the spanking. And then afterward, it was always, do you want to go get a smoothie? We're, we're going to go make a smoothie. This is done. We're never going to talk about this again. That was corporal punishment. So it was a cathartic thing. Like the few times that I had it that I can remember, we would go and we would literally go and blend, you know, strawberry banana milkshake afterwards. Oh, I'm on strawberry banana so, milkshake. So, yeah. And mm. I literally came home from school one, once or twice and I said, Mom, Dad, I need a spanking. What did you do? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. It sounds like you do. It sounds like you really do deserve it. One time I begged for Dad to pull over and spank me on the way from home from school. That's what corporal punishment looks like. You, because you might have some other issues happening here. No, no, no. no, 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 no. There's an issue. John Arthur. We're agreeing uh, on this, so I don't know. Here's the issue. If you committed, no, seriously, it's a serious subject. If you committed wrong and you want to be forgiven and you want the catharsis of forgiveness and you connote that with the spanking, the, the, the corporal punishment has been good. If you did something wrong, that was a bad, bad thing. You say, I want to be forgiven. I'm going to have to process that. I'm not sure process I totally agree with that. Process it for a moment. Um, I know you don't like spankings. I'm not a huge fan of them. I do think they have their place. So as a child, as a child, I wanted to be forgiven. Right. And that was always noted. The aftermath was always noted with forgiveness. Okay, so let me ask you this. At what point, at what age did you finally start accepting forgiveness without being spanked? Uh, without, without punishment or without restitution being able to make, Dude, I don't, I don't accept forgiveness until there's been repentance on my part and restitution. It bugs me. If I've done something, if I've actually wronged you, it bugs me until I've done something to help restore as much as possible. Okay, so... That there is where I see part of the issue. I believe that probably came from the idea of you're not forgiven until you're spanked, mm -mm. W which is how you as a child. Oh, man, linked I, I it. see a problem here. Right. <laughs> and I go, you can't do anything. Anything to earn the forgiveness God gives you. Exactly. I know. That's why it's right. called but, grace. But, but Christ, Christ was punished in that knowledge of Christ being punished is what lets me sleep at night. Okay. I we're gonna have to have yeah, a corporal punishment gonna, podcast. We might have to have one we'll because have one. I'm not entirely sure definitely. I agree with you on should this. Should Christians should Christians be involved in corporal punishment? That'd be a good yes. podcast. I think we'll do that. Okay. Uh, back on that, to adoption. That sounds good. I definitely to gotta be on that. Yeah, you should. Definitely. So with that said there is a difference, though. There is a difference. And, and wherever we square up as a group, wherever we square up as a group, it's clear. If you are hurting your children, that is not discipline. That is abuse. So that's something that I think people really get, yeah. get lost on. So in, on the Texas adoptive system... What page? Just one page. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. I have I suffer from short and long term memory loss, so you know 
words. In midterm, too. Yeah, sometimes. Is that being uh, hit in the head too many times? Or it's that corporal He's punishment. Um, <laughs> no wonder he doesn't like it. Yeah. Come on, um, man. They have the responsibility of adoptive families, and one of the things they call is provide for children's emotional, mental, physical, social, educational, and cultural needs according to each child's de- developmental age and growth. Now, the developmental age is different for an adoptive child than it is for a non-adoptive child. An adoptive child at six years old is not developmentally at six years old 90% of the time. That was a, 90% was a made-up statistic, you know, to be fair. Got it. Um, that was my own thing. But I can tell you that most of the time they are not at the same developmental age because there are developmental blockers that occur because of abuse and things like that. Right. So when it's saying here at each child's developmental age and growth, when you look at how do I treat my kid, how do I raise my kid, how do I raise my adoptive kid, you have to treat them differently because of those blockers that happened when they were younger. Well, you know, when you have children, you realize each child is different and you have to raise just because, say, your first child, you may have to to give that child corporal punishment for who knows what reasons when they're grown, when they're young. Your second child, you may never have to lay a hand on them or any kind of corporal punishment whatsoever. Some, all kids are different. I mean, you can have, uh, we raised seven kids. None of them were the same being raised. You had to deal with them all separately. I mean, there was no way you could deal with any of them the same. Seven kids, five boys. I mean, come on, man. You want to talk about someone who's all for Come on, man. Come on, man. He found it. Um, Whoa. Yeah. No, I, you know, I really... I appreciate you input in there because you're the only one here who's had kids. This you is know, true. I'm I'm going all off of theory and my experience with working with kids, but I don't yeah. live with kids. And Steve does. You know, there did you raise them all differently? There is no way that you can look at each one of them the same and raise them the same. Each one of them have their own taste, flavors. Everything. Uh, everything is all different on each one of them. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Kind of goes against the materialistic monist idea that we're all just uh, matter kind of reacting. Because if oh. you had the exact same stimulus, you would think the little brains would work the same. It's like yep. it's almost like they have souls. Uh, mm, kind of who it knew? It different hmm. creature. Um, Amazing. But, I mean, this pulls into the idea of what's lacking in the adoptive care. Right. And adoptive care, once again, is resources and trainings. In order to adopt, you have to take so many classes, like so many hours to foster. It's like 20 hours a year of continuing education. Yeah. Right. To adopt, you do have to go through and prove some some things and take a few courses. But after that, where are the resources? You know, and that's where the church can really come step in. Having a foster and adoptive support group mm-hmm. where you can just talk to other parents who have gone through it while your kid is off with a trusted group of adults who might be being taught their own things, right? Or even if it's just a safe place to hang out, right? But the parents need 
to be able to learn and get this continuing education that the government, once kids are adopted, they do check-ins every once in a while. But after that, they don't give a rip. They're off their plate. They don't care about the adoptive family. I think the government needs to provide more resources and more follow-up trainings for adoptive families. Now, I don't think it should stop somebody from adopting, right? I don't think it needs to be a prerequisite, but I think they need to provide cash, money, opportunities for these families to go and get continuing education on See, adopting. That's where I think I think some of that I agree with, but I think that's where you and I disagree somewhat. I, I would like the government to get more out of of adoption to the to the point where if you have someone who's doing something to a child prosecute them and you, you have to establish like a deterrence right you have to establish whether they're adopted or whether they're their actual child you have to have a deterrence otherwise you have a situation like the turpin family and if you can go ahead and pull that up mr producer it's the last uh it's the last one and uh, go ahead and full screen that and play it then, please. Because this is a really, really sad story. It doesn't matter if you're adopted or not, Warren Foster or not. This is 911. Do you have an emergency? I'm not getting any audio. You getting I audio? I just ran away from home. This was the call for help that set them free. The 13 children in California who had to be rescued by police. Nearly all of them were tortured and kept as prisoners by their own parents who are now sitting in prison serving 25 years to life. Uh, I just ran away from home. I just ran away from home because... I don't think the family is Oh, that's good. Okay. Can you hear me? And... We have abusing parents. Did you hear that? But this morning, more than four years later, some of these same children are now suing their county and a private foster care agency who they say failed to protect them after law enforcement officers removed them from the nightmare that was their home. In a new lawsuit, attorneys for the six youngest children of the Turpin family say that the foster family, who was paid to raise them after they were rescued, was also abusive. It's, it's not only shocking, it should make everyone angry. Because these children, were, you know, who were chained to their beds for a, a great majority of their yeah. life, finally are freed, right? And then the county places them with child net and puts them in another position where they are further abused. ChildNet is a private foster care agency contracted by Riverside County, east of Los Angeles. And in their lawsuit, the children say that the agency placed them in a home where they say the company knew that other foster care children who had spent time in that home had been abused. They accused the former foster parents and their daughter of hitting them in the face with sandals, pulling their hair, hitting them with a belt, and striking their heads. Some of them accused their former foster father of sexual abuse, and they say both foster parents would tell them that they were worthless and would encourage them to harm themselves. And while the kids were being abused further, the county closed their eyes. I have I mean, this, this case is yeah. one where the entire world was watching, and yet even in that situation, uh, the county and ChildNet dropped the ball which tells you, I think, pretty clearly what must be happening and what we've seen happen in other cases with kids who aren't famous, who are whose cases are not high profile. 
who nobody knows about. It was a case of abuse and neglect in America in 2018 that broke hearts around the world. They pull our hair. They they yank out our hair. I have two. My two little sisters right now are chained up. Okay, how old are you? I'm 17. What's your name? Jordan Turpin. In an emotional interview last November, Jordan Turpin first shared this story with ABC News anchor Diane Sawyer. I don't know how you had the courage, never having spoken to anyone like that. I think it was like us coming so close to death so many times, and like I was worried about my siblings, and when I saw them crying and worried, I just felt like I had to do it. Like, like I, I just wanted to do it. I wanted to help everyone. According to the attorneys, the abuse in the foster home went on for three years until one of the children was old enough to leave and then told this story to a social worker. The three former foster family members are now facing more than a dozen criminal charges, including child Good. abuse, neglect, and sexual assault. They've pled not guilty. A county spokeswoman tells us they've not seen the lawsuit, so they have no comment. We've reached out to ChildNet and did not get a response. But last year, a spokesperson for the foster care agency told ABC News that they could not comment specifically on the Turpin case because of confidentiality laws, but said, we take our work very seriously, including the extensive vetting of parents. The children are suing for damages, but their lawsuit at this point doesn't say for how much. I can't even tell you how many times our clients have told us we just don't want this to happen to someone else. Uh, um, okay, so go ahead and make sure you exit out of that before the next uh, uh, ad comes along, huh? Uh, with that said, that's oh, not you were so close. You were so close. <laughs> that said, here's the issue. The reason we bring that up is it doesn't matter whether you, you are, it's your parents. It doesn't matter if it's the fosters. It doesn't matter if it's the adoptive parents. There has to be consequences and a deterrent. And frankly, the people who were chaining up little girls, like, when do you not say this person's a monster? They don't, they have lost the right to breathe air. Apparently when you're California. So. Was it California? Yeah, it was California. Wow, well, that doesn't surprise me. And so so that's the question. Mm-hmm. That's the question. And, and so. That's where, where I, I say it's not about adoptive training or this training or this governmental. It's you have to have a deterrence. And maybe maybe you do check in on these on these people, right? You ask the kids questions. I'm all for that. But what I don't think it does is I don't think it's useful it's as useful as yeah. having a deterrence and a I proper I think we were solving justice. two different problems. My problem was the lack of knowledge to how to raise an adoptive kids you're dealing with the abuse there are adoptive kids being abused how do we stop that do they so even do i think part of the abuse can be lack of knowledge but stories like that that's not lack of knowledge that's lack of a soul do they even do background checks on these people they Apparently. do um and depending on the state is depending on the level of background check um you, but it's very easy to pass a background check yeah, I, I, because they don't yeah. they don't talk to references. So right. all that to yeah. say, we're not ratting on the abor- on the adoption uh, uh, system at all. Rather, we're saying that there's a need. 
there's a need for good people who are willing to take that on to either foster or adopt. So if you think that you could be that person, give it a consideration. Closing thoughts for the day. Um, I've, sorry, that last story shook me a bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I had I didn't watch that one before. It's rough. Um, yeah, I didn't see that. So philosophy of adoption. I am pro-adoption. I am... You know what? And if you're single, I'm a single guy. My men, my life mentor was a single guy and adopted. It can be done. Okay? Don't don't stop yourself going, but they deserve a mother and a father. Man, they will take one parent over no parents. I promise you that. Our philosophy on adoption has to be for the kid, not for me, not for you, not for the church or I'm going to sneeze. Okay, there we go. Um, edit that out. Uh, but it can't be for you or for me. It has to be for the kid. And when you adopt for the kid and you think about the kid as you're adopting and raising and loving that child as an individual child, that's when adoption works. And if you can do that, if you think you can do it, start looking into it. Start doing some trainings, getting connected with some groups, look into adoption. I think it is one of the best things and one of the most biblical things we can do. Absolutely. And if you're called to it, you're called to it, do it. Yeah. Um, there's some things I agree with you on that, Justin, uh, excuse me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not for abortion and I'm, I'm pro adoption, um, I've got, you know, a cousin that's been adopted, and uh, she is such a wonderful person. She's a grandmother now, and uh, she is definitely pro-adoption herself, uh, and just absolutely a wonderful person. And you know, she's was accepted like she's just was. Part of the family. Just part of the family. Never was thought of as being adopted. Never, mm-hmm. ever. And, you know, and it's not about being adopted. It's about being a part of the family. And, you know, it's about the life of the child. And it's about the child. Like you said, it's about raising that child. And it's not for you. It's about the child. And, you know, we have to consider that Jesus Christ, like John Arthur had talked about, he knew us before we were born. And we have to consider that, you know, we need to take these children. And, and I wasn't saved till I was 48, which is a late time in my life. But it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I work on my family on getting into the church and getting their kids into church because I see it as the most important thing in their life. And that should be a very, very important part of what the church should do and offer training type of seminars for people who do adoption 
Yeah. And they should have some kind of ministry available in the church for adoptive parents. Absolutely. And, you know, that allows them to be able to come to the church and come into the church and bring their children and learn training so that the child itself can either be in a an environment with those that are like in a classroom and then have the parents in a classroom themselves where we have people that are training these people that's on a weekly basis and available for these people so that the church offers something like that. Biblical training and discipleship is key. Yes. And so from the chair of theology, just to finish up the thoughts for the day, uh, biblical discipleship is key. And by the way, some people start, have started to bristle with the word discipleship since the uh, advent of the whole church growth movement. Okay. It's okay, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. It's okay. Uh, since the church growth movement has kind of messed up that word, let me say it this way. Pour into the life of those around you who are adopting. And if you want to adopt, find a mentor, find someone who is going to yeah. spend the time with you and know this, that, that God has called the church to be a body. And that means that we need to help those who are in our midst, who are struggling. So make sure that you support your families who are adopting. And if you can adopt, consider it. Consider if it's if it's God's leading for you. Okay, not every not everyone's called to adopt, but see if you can. And if it's something that God has, has led you to, make sure you're faithful to do whatever God has told you to do. And remember, you're not adopting for yourself; you're adopting for the Lord, ultimately. And in doing so, you're serving this child. Keep that in mind if you ever do. With that said, if you like this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for over 200,000 downloads of the podcast. Apple is now deleting uh, listens, and it looks like actually episodes. So I'm not sure what's going on. It's no bueno. It's no bueno. It's muy malo. But uh, YouTube deleting views. Okay. So no someone surprise. likes us. Someone, someone likes us. Yes. Uh, that's okay. Uh, God loves us. So with that said, <laughs> like, comment, share, subscribe. Make sure if, if you want to watch somewhere that doesn't delete it. Apparently Rumble looks pretty good. Uh, thank you for those of you who are subscribing there. You can find us at Further Every Day on the Twitter. And uh, with that said, got anything else for you. You have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Okay. Okay, if you're still here, yeah, I even got Mr. Producer that time. Uh, he oh, was going for the he stop was going record. For that okay, button. okay, seen it. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's seen, oh my looking. gosh! Like, I don't know okay. what you're talking about. Okay. Come on, man. Today we're gonna ask, what is your favorite color? Ooh. Just really generic. Mine is a royal purple. You would like a peridot, wouldn't you? A, a pair of what? Peridot. Purple. It's like a dark royal purple. Yeah. yeah, I like they, the, the that, pair of those. Then you there know you go. that uh, that color actually comes out of a um, a shellfish. Peridot. Yes. Yeah. I'm not actually. shellfish about it. I'm not shellfish about it. Good job. Actually, but mine is a uh, green. Actually, you like green? Yes. I, I do. wonder why. Well, is mm. it like a forest green, a bright green, a lime green, a seafoam green? He's an OD green, uh, forest OD green guy. Forested. What's the hex code? Green. See, I'll, I'll, I'll save my so, green. 
sky blue or OD green, depending upon what it, what it is. If it's a car, I would like like a sky blue hot and fast car. That would be so cool. I would like you to have one. That would be nice. I'm, I'm just, anyway. I've never been really a blue fan unless it's jeans. Yep. Sounds about right. Tell us in the comment section down below what your favorite color is and hope you have a blessed week. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.